but it comes out of me being about culture and me standing for something. I'm not just trying to do everything. I'm like standing for something. So when I make choices, I make conscious choices. And I've lost out on money. You know, I've lost out on hella coins for small for a small change because I feel like that's not doing my culture right. I'm not going to teach something with inauthentic soundtracks. I'm always going to give you the pussy pussy cunt. You're going to tell me you can't, we can't have the, if you tell me you can't have the pussy pussy cunt, that's fine. But if you tell me we can't do this because it sounds too that, too this, I'm going to say something really bad, but I think I'll offend a lot of people. But just know you can, okay, that's what you can do. That's, for me, I've said no to shit because of that. Like, and I've said no to stuff because they tell me one thing and they do another. Think about what I believe. Like, I'm about community everyone standing up but we all have to be very much smarter with how we approach stuff you know we have to be self-worth first and how does that look when others come behind you i'm giving who's coming behind me with the same opportunity you know do i think i sometimes maybe people thought i'm inaccessible yes but the ones who know i'm not are the ones that i'm are supposed to be there and the ones that feel like they don't know, think they can get a foot in the door even a creek you know, they could be knocking to have a witness style and be just at the door. There's a difference, you know. I want those people to feel like that, that you can't, that my door is not always open, but I also want my community to feel like my door is always open regardless. So I feel like it's just about balance, you know. And it's also, if you can't do a job, what I always do is, if I can't do a job, I always try to hold it to give it to somebody else. So I always go like, you know, they might not want anybody else, but I always try to be like, I will do this, I will do that. I do extra work to make sure the money stays within the community to yeah. someone in the community. You know, that's kind of my ethos, you know. I'm mad, like, that's all I know. I don't know nothing else. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host, Rai, and if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you stream your podcasts from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on. It organically grows the show, connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before, and puts the podcast in top lists for streaming sites. As well, feel free, and I encourage you to tag us whilst you listen to this, pop us on the gram, the story the TikToks, the Flitters, the Twitters, the Schwitters, the Pinterest. It's making a comeback, y'all, and just share the love, as I always say. <laughs> Today's episode is such a juicy one because I have the one and only JJ Ravlon, or as we get to know his other personalities in the podcast. Now, just a little disclaimer before I get into the other intro of this. This is going to be part one of part two. Whilst I was editing, y'all, this is a three-hour episode. I'm trying to shorten the episodes on Chai with Rai, so I'm going to do a part two of this, but it's going to be such a juicy one because we talk about JJ's drag experience. We talk about the forum culture, the highs, the lows, the mids, his thoughts on where it's been, where it's going. We also get into music because DJ Revlon also is amazing, so I don't know what this accent is, but we talk about that as well, the music industries, the good and the bad. JJ also gives great life lessons throughout all of this, so this is going to be heavily on forum culture, music, as well as some of the little bits here and there because JJ gave a lot of life wisdom as we were talking about this. So I can't go into JJ's credits. I'm just going to say that like it, I'm going to put it in the bio because it is like 
crazy. Recently, of course, if you've known JJ, he was featured in British Vogue. He's done a lot of work for like Days Magazine, Time Out, Evening Standard, Nike, Pride in London. That's just like not even touching the surface. Misguided, Top Man, Gareth Pugh, ASOS, G-Star. Oh, and I forgot to add that JJ is a member of the House of Revlon. That is the UK father of the House of Revlon and also the founder of the Kiki House of Tea. I met JJ whilst I was doing Sundown Kiki last year and as we started having our deep conversations and connecting on the fact that we both love Adele and that we love like walks on South Bank Centre and the fact that we belong to Company 68, we kind of dated the same person and so many other things and i was just like how is it that we never met but if you know jj and jj if you're listening to this and your energy is infectious and he's real you get what you get he's abrasive he's passionate and he's just i don't know he's just he's a really special special person so i'm going to warm up my jar and let's get into today's episode are you gonna say chai with ryan jj uh, we can. I mean, I'm gonna. <laughs> All right. I start the show off with a little bit of game just to ease you in. Yes, I was ready for the game. All right. Are you ready? The game is called Five Second Rule, which is basically uh, I'm gonna give you an option to say different creative things, and you have five seconds to say them. Oh, can I swear? Or is this a PC? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Swear ahead. Swear ahead. All right. Okay. I'm going to try and throw you off the track with some of these things, but let's see if you okay. can get on there. All right. Welcome to Five Second Rule. In an interview with Shantae Joseph, you discussed going to Paris, okay, in which you met your Judy Bam Bam, and then creating a scene in the UK. You also mentioned in several interviews what makes your balls different, aka not just down there, but, you know, just in <laughs> i.e. such as the speciality of your mother at your door. That in mind. Dude, that's a whole lot of content. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. List three names you made up for your fake girlfriends when telling people you were straight or bi prior to coming out at the age of 19. Go! Ah! They weren't fake, the girlfriends. I thought they were fake. You made fake girlfriends. You said this in an interview. No, I had real girlfriends, but I made up a fake name for my mom, which was only one name, and it was Brittany. See, that was a glitch. Now you can say that was a glitch. <laughs> All, right. All right. Yeah, no, I had real girlfriends. I was a time ago. You're reflecting. <laughs> Do you want to list? Do you want to list three of your girlfriends? Like that. Go. I don't even remember. Uh, wow. No. Are you friends no. with any of them? No. Savage. Back in the way, it's like in school, isn't it? It's not oh. like. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, Moving on. You've got five questions. This is your second question. In Equate magazine, you say believing a good ballroom walker is someone who is there for fun a healthy competition, an all-round good time. And you mention how you usually do great to me. You mentioned this personally, when you're usually intoxicated, either under the influence yeah. or you have just gone through an argument. All right. With that in mind, sing three original composed songs so you can just sing the hooks, okay? And the hooks need to imply that you're hungry. Ready? In five, four, three, two, go. I'm hungry for the power. Second. I'm hungry. Oh, second song. In five seconds. Yeah, you this, could just... This, oh. game, this game is setting everybody up to fail. It's not a game that is... It's, it's family feud. It's like... It's creative skills. You're never going to get... You should call this game Never Gonna Game. That's, That's the shit. 
That's not true. I could just be boring, couldn't I? I could just be like, list three things you would say to yourself in a shower. But true. I just, but you know, hungry for the power is like ultimate hunger, hunger song. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes I will just play it when I'm hungry. But it's already out. It was original composed song. So you original, original song about hungerness that I would sing. Well, I mean, the moment's gone. We have to move on. We're on. Oh, our- sorry. On. Okay. In another interview, you mentioned spending your EMA on selfridges and wearing to your induction day sheepskin jacket, not thigh high, but kind of like sheep. An- no sheep wool. Sheep wool. Okay. Skin yeah, jacket. I could never wear the skin. Yeah. Um, thigh high Uggs ripped jeans and that, and that in uni men clicked for you just like ballroom did so with that in mind this is an easy one you can do this name three swear words you cannot live without go can't bitch oh oh no can't and bitch there's, any, Wait, there's th- not three there's not three no pussy I don't really use that much because I think it's a bit like I only use it in a ballroom context but it's not it, a like, swear word. Is it not? It's just, think just so. a, no. I think it just counts as like being British, you know, like saying uh, I like cunt. Cuntism, amazing. That word. is true. You do know the other question that I had, which I thought would get me and you into trouble, was list three favorite, three of your least favorite members from your house. Oh, I, no, let's not. They're all, they're, they're all the same level. They're all your least I favorite. Love them. I love them the same. <laughs> Wink, wink. No, I don't. I don't. I don't have favorites, you know. Yeah, when I put this out oh. live, if anybody would like to come forward and clap back, yeah, we please. can have a conversation. Always, I'd love, I'd love this. I think having watched JJ judge and be around people, I think you have favorites. What? I think you do. I think you do. That's just my opinion. All right, your last question. You are my. It's because you are my favorite. That's why. And you're mine. So there we go. There we go. All right. In uh, an article for Time Out magazine where you were advertising your classes. And I feel like the, I haven't done this much work. You have. You have. Pulling, your, pulling, pulling, pulling. The headline of that article was The Art of Voguing with JJ Revlon. Okay. And in another article, you talk about going to the club early on in, and how you made and how you got in by making friends with promoters and meeting people through BGC. Yeah. So. With that in mind, list three original, not remix, Adele songs you would walk to, let's say, body for a ball themed that I am creating called Tears of My Romance. Go. Three songs I would walk body to. Yeah, three Adele songs. Go quickly. Five. Oh, Fire to the Rain. Um, Hello and Duh. The Bridge. The Bridge. That's probably the only one I would have got because I love Adele. I love Adele too. Would you ever so play much. Adele, not remix, just original? Yeah, 100%. At a ball? Why not? After you gave me a lecture, how there needs to be a specific beat structure to... There is. And I'm a DJ, so I can play with the beat structure. Okay. I know the rules. <laughs> Imagine people just walking up. Tossing them up. Just yeah. like Butch Queen. Hello. Never mind a fan. It's me. <laughs> I, you could do it. Like, it could still be the same category, but you could do it. Like, you could do... Like, it, will people walk it? Maybe not. But can it be done? Yes. yes. Body to Adele. Well, I just want to start our interview by sharing some of the things because we have talked about how you... What were... else have you digged up? But can I you just... Really say... dig, you really dig. I like to like... do... I like to do my research on people because it's my way of paying respect and making the interview interesting. Do you know what I mean? But... You and I have a similar path 
as we've discussed, and I don't know how we just never crossed in life. I really just don't know why we never crossed in life. Or maybe we did, but we just, but you, I don't know if this you meant as a joke or this you meant as a serious thing. You have a Taekwondo license. You yeah, also, but I don't anymore, it expired. Oh, okay. okay. So we're going to get into that. Um, you <laughs> created a nail service for men. Yeah, that still exists. And you were an extra in Taui, so... Oh, yeah, that was funny. So I also took Taekwondo in Mitcham, in Surrey. I used to do... Mine was in Peckham. Not that far away. And I was also an extra in Taui and made in Chelsea. That day... I didn't do Chelsea, I needed Essex. But they were just 50 pounds, and it'd just be, you know... I can't remember. I just remembered I was, like, 21... Wait, let's go back, Taekwondo. My mum made me take Taekwondo self-defense yeah. so that's why i did it but i ended up like breaking wood breaking brick i i was like a yellow green yeah orange belt green tags mm-hmm. i mean i had two and then you had the green one but that was super fun i did it in peckham back in the day and then stopped and i went to secondary school because that it wasn't cool taekwondo what was the next one there was a nail service for men that came out of me wanting to learn how to do nails so i could like spend more time with my mom because i was traveling a lot for work and it ended up being like a business because living in Peckham also, yeah. most of those nail shops don't do men's nails like yeah. at all, you know? So they usually always say no. So you just end up, you know, and also then it's also, it was a weird environment. Like I remember there used to be a place called, it was in Soho. It was called War Nails. And I used to get there, go there to get my nails done. And I would have like people, like women looking at me and I'm just like chilling with my little carver have a little drink get my nails done you know yeah and i met two amazing nail techs they're called nuka nails and they like now they have their own business but like those are the people who were like i was sitting in front of who were doing my nails and i was talking to and they said you know you can get a license and then like and i got my feet done at the ned and the guy and the guy who did my feet his name was also jason and then he's the one that sent me the link on how, where to get the car the, to the car i get the qualification and i just did it i'm kind of random like that like if i'm interested in something i'll do it like i made a rug the other week oh yes is with, this from your with a tufting gun no with a tufting gun oh wow it was very random like that but the business went well i was on the bbc news i was on the vanessa pop show i did you want to no no art attack but you know, I was, and I also had clients. But I just realized how also we didn't cross paths. I also used to teach at Gymbox. I also used to take Jordan's classes that you were Bessies with. Jordan Bessies is his name. Uh, white dude, bald. Yeah, he had a heels class. Yeah, and uh, IA. Yeah, yeah, and Kyle as well, who I've done yeah. a, like crossing paths with at Studio Sixty Eight when I used to be part of Company Sixty Eight again. Same. I was a part of the CPA back in the day. Never. In the beginning. How? How did we just know? I don't like it. So I left. <laughs> it's just too true. Um, um, yeah. Loved all of those things. But yeah, we should have crossed so many, you so, know. So many times. But here we are. You know, everything everything happens. So let's start the For a reason. Yeah. But let's start with the interview, with discussing your fascination with the following words. Pussy, cunt, dead. And also, where is where is the late great um, Jaja Cameroon, also known as Chacha B today? Or, oh or, or Trina? No, where is Trina? Ah, well, to be honest, like, when I did drag, that's like Bormans, when I kind of like drag. Yeah. Dead is an amazing expression. So it's pussy and cunt and ditch. So we put yeah. that on that. Okay. But yeah, drag. Yeah, I kind of 
I kind of just started by accident, like drag queen, like Calypso Bang, like is like one of my drag aunties. And then there was like Legs and Cock, which was like a group with some girls. And yeah, I was kind of like young, wanted to do drag, you know? And I just kind of like did it. And I actually didn't do much. I only did like, young. like weirdly, eh? private birthdays. Food. Private, I only did like private birthdays, European Gay Sea Weekend, something else, maybe one other thing. But yeah, it was interesting. It's kind of like, it's a different persona. So it's a lot to have to keep up. So I ended up just like leaving it. It's not coming back also. No, never coming and back. And actually my name got changed because there's a drag queen in Manchester called Cheddar Gorgeous. She Weird named lady. Galore. And Lady Galore, yeah. yeah. So they the ones like did my makeup and like name me because like I was like a dancer. Well, I am a dancer, but that's why would do like in drag I would just dance like that was my thing. It wasn't even voguing. It was just like I like to dance. I wore like a ski suit, just like Whitney number. It was really fun. Yeah, I liked it, but no, not anymore. Never so much out. upkeep. No, it's so much upkeep. So much upkeep. Like look at the girls who do drag race. They do drag like every day. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot for the skin, for the face, for the tuck, I for the can... wig line, oh, for the tuckiana, for the I looks. Can... I just want to commend you for that. Yeah, it was fine. I never touched. I used a dog's belt. So oh, the trick. Oh, <clears throat> does the same thing, Cha. It does. It does. But I just, yeah, I couldn't. Um, I have a question to ask you in regards to the name, yeah. which is JJ, because I watched, as I said, all of your interviews. Mm. Is it the story, like Lil' Kim says, where basically the streets named her? Where do the names like JJ, Bam Bam or like Amani come from? Like where? I don't know. Amani, like Bam Bam's name's been Bam Bam for since uh, children's secondary school. Yeah. Uh, there's a story of that, but I, it's for Bam Bam to tell. And then JJ, to be honest, my mum was the only person that used to call me J or JJ. That's the only person that used to call it, call me that. And then when I joined Revlon, Vinny, my house father, who's from Paris, he named me JJ. So he was like, yeah, JJ, JJ Revlon. And then it, that was my name from then, basically. No big reveal no or no. And actually, yeah, it's not. It's, it's my name. I always thought... And actually, it's weird when someone calls me, as I said to you, which you're going to do probably now. No, I'm not. Name. I'm not. I'm respectful. I'm not going because I'll bust my I'm I will not. bust my government name. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but like, yeah, like so weird when people it's weird when some people call me JJ. I mean, here for it. If that's but yeah. that's my name, like and also my name is Jason. So either or. Oh, you're telling yeah, people. I went to get emails. It's in my email signature. It's not a secret. Like I, I have a government name. I'm not embarrassed. Not am I trying to like up withhold a brand. I am withholding the brand. It's fine. I know, like, no, I've never changed my name. My fucking oh. grandma named me. I've never changed. Oh. And also in Greek, it means Hila. And there was a reason why she named me Jason. It was like some Greek show of a warrior. It was like a whole story about my name. Wait, this... um, my birth name. It's a whole story. Uh... But yeah, no, I've never changed my name. But yeah, people always ask me, like, this is my email signature. They're like, do you prefer JJ or J? One is JJ. Like, it's not J. Because if it was J, I would have been like, J. You know what I mean? Like, don't ask me if it's Jay. Like, you can say Jason and Jay and JJ. Yeah. I don't care. Those are my names. But people are like, can J or JJ? It's like, there's two. And I actually, I don't copy paste. I write those with my fingers. I type those two J's out. Okay? With those nails. With those nails. Right. And not just the letter. Names are weird. And I never, I, I never thought this is where I would be, like, or where this would stick to. Like, when people call me, like, Jason, you have to know me for, like, 10 years. 
like at least 10 years does that mean i'm disrespecting that that oh or x no people oh. if you want to call me jason like it's up to you i don't mind i guess oh. it's still my name okay. no grinds up keep here i just i i don't know why i just find it personable to call you yeah i mean yeah it is but people who know me for 10 years is the ones that can't like don't call me really jj yeah i feel you how did you naturally transition into DJing? What were the steps that launched you into that program? Because I kind of watched your Music Summit interview, which I want to say you weren't there for because you were a little bit like, I don't know, unless you were. Yeah. But yeah, do you... Oh, that Summit interview, literally, it was the last person to be like 25. Yeah. Six. Everyone, it was like an under 25 thing. I got, and I booked it when I was 25. Now I turned 26 by the time I... And then I landed and I had, like, you have... At the summits, you have zero rest. Everyone wants to talk to you. Everyone wants to have interviews. Everyone wants to have dinners. So I met, like, the head of Sound, of SoundCloud and he gave me, like, free SoundCloud for, like, <laughs> three, four years. But I don't use it really now, so I don't bother ask. But, you know, those... It was that kind of thing where you, everyone's networking. It was, like, one of my first, and I, it was also quite draining, you know? Yeah. I do talk about spaces, but... And I and that's like a part of what, the stuff I do and the holding of space and stuff. But it was just it was like very different worlds and I don't know. It was it was a strange one. It was a strange one. But I had a good time. I was shattered. Oh, okay, so that's what it is. I was just like, that's, it is a whole day. I watched like seven in seven uh, panels before that. Like right. my panel was Honey Dijon. I was ready to talk. I was ready. Well, but yeah, it was a it was a good one. But yeah, I don't think I would. I would only do that again when I'm like 40, 50. Got it. Like accomplish something big. Well, you have. You have accomplished big things. Yeah, but I'm saying like, you know, when you're older, you're oh, like, like people when look you at you as some sort of profit. So. But yeah, how did you get into it? And my second question was that do you, in that interview, you mentioned, and I feel like you have a very sort of organic way, but do you still book DJs if they say they are a DJ? And two, yeah. do you still believe um for djs to play what they're feeling that day as opposed to pre-prep or you said go with the feeling as opposed to being like this is the style of music this is the genre this is everything way i got into it like i used to dj when i was younger i dj when i was like 14 15 little hercules controller plumped up to my one of the acer laptop yeah that? had the big i love dance decor on the back uh to cover the logo to be kind of cool that got from probably like dark umbrellas and some silly something or something like this like some like dance program i did then i played in i played in like people's house parties and stuff and that's how i met bam bam and then i kind of like stopped anyway me i was in a collective like me and one other person we went to the collective together but articles started to like write about me saying like you know jj and his team and it was like two of us didn't like mention their name so i kind of like pulled myself to the back um without being on the mic and said you know i'll dj you have the mic and so i kind of like relearned it was for like why I think I play how I play is because the person who was teaching me is like her name is Samantha Samantha Nelson. She's from Hub Sixteen, uh, in Dalston, and she's the one that was teaching me like to play what I loved because I had other people show me stuff, but they were showing me in this way that I wasn't logical to me. Hence why I say go by feeling because everyone kept saying to me that I should learn how to DJ by DJing house. House is not really for me. It is now in my older age. I'm here for the house and the techie techno. <clears throat> You're still younger than me. You do, you do know that, right? I, it, you being ancient is nothing to do with me. I'm just saying. <laughs> wow. Just wow. Now I'm older. 
this is kind of like a Wendy and what's that lady's name who gr- grabs her book kind of interview. That's what that this is given this time. Who grabs her book? So I kind of just yeah played what I felt. So instead of playing like all this house and hip hop and R and B, I just played like boring with like classic house tracks, like super classic. Music sounds better than you. Uh, get down, lady. Hear me tonight. Cause my feeling is just alright. All these songs are songs that I would play in my set. And then I just kept on playing what I like. And then I became like the person who plays ballroom at parties, you know? But that wasn't like the only thing. Like I then moved into like South African house, even like I have a mix coming out next week or the week after. That is like going to be a complete eclectic of things that I just did out of feeling. So I think feeling is more important because like when you plan, it's like, oh, I need to do this, 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 and this order. That's not always the case when you DJ out to people. People are on different substances and drinking or not drinking and fully sober or smoking a joint or only smoking fags or you know there's like different levels of buzz for like in a party yeah and I've been in that situation where everyone is all on a different energy source you know and I'm like how do I bring the energy sources together (laughs) you know and you just have to play a little bit, a little bit, and then start merging everyone together and around. But if I started, if I planned my set, that would not have happened. It would have been dry. People probably would have left. I got asked to play longer, like a whole two hours, I think it was, hour and a half longer. You know, they're like, do you have more music? And I'm like, we can try. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's kind of like the way I play. And I, and I feel like you have to play what you love. Mm. I'm not playing to fit in a box or to be booked by this person or that person. Like, I actually play because I love to play. And if people love my music, they love my music because I love my music. That's my vibe. And so that's when people say, oh, I'm a DJ. I'm like, okay, then. What do you feel like you've learned from your first gig when you were doing just like things on your laptop to versus where you are now? And do you want to progress in the world of producing? Do you think one day? Because a lot of DJs end up doing that. Yeah, it kind of, that's how you keep your, that's how you keep going, really, in like, in music world, you know, not only do you play other people's music, but you need to be able to pull a crowd with your own music. That's like, a, uh, I think, an important thing for DJs. I don't want to be a producer or an artist. Like, that's not my train of thought for now, but I did learn production. I've learned production for a while. I had like one or two tracks in SoundCloud, but nothing like mixed down to like a good amount. Yeah, I still, I, I still, in the future, probably make more time for music. I don't know what kind of train I'm on now, but the train right now is very much like education, talking, and playing a couple of gigs here and there. Like the train I'm on, I'm just like riding. I'm not trying to be like, I'm going to be a producer because I want to get this gig. It's like, I don't really have that train of thought, basically. I kind of like trust my process. As well as understanding, yeah, I do have to do certain things, learn how to produce. So I'm in a position where if someone did ask me, like, hey, do you want to collab on a track? At least I've got moderate knowledge on, like, how to do something. But, yeah, no, I probably, down the future, I will, because I probably will end up not wanting to do clubs anymore, and I will still want music in the same way, so I'm going to end up producing. Like, that's kind of, like, the train you kind of go down, I think. I mean, it's just the train you go down, you know? Like, I'm so tired, I don't want to do the clubs anymore, I don't want to play these. But I'm actually a person that now wants, like, longer sets, you know, in some in some agreements, like, I will ask for a longer set because I want to play for two hours instead of like an hour. But I love a strong hour. A strong hour DJ is my ideal. If you gave me that in an hour and I still want more, that's the vibe I like to give. Not snappy and quick mixed. It's like blending. Someone said it to me the other day, blend. They said, I'm not a DJ, I'm a blend. Something about blending. A ble- a ble- but that's me. Like I'm a blend. I blend between like 
three decks. That's always like my, that's always the go-to I go for. It's never always the equipment you get, but I'm in like a three deck kind of blender. Like I blend like tracks all together. That's my vibe. And I love it. And that's why I kind of just push. I feel like it's like setting people, those are three things that you're going to really get the gist from, you know? Yeah. If the promoter's super excited, about it being like, if the promoter's super excited and their, and their shit sells out, you're more or less going to have a great gig because I feel like the promoter's energy is different. And there's like, if it's down to the money, then there's a different energy, different clientele, different kind of people that come in. Like I did a, I just set like the other day at a birthday and I loved it and it was a great time, but there was so much going on versus me doing a guest mix in, that's coming out in a couple of weeks and pre-recording that just before this. That's just made me, I don't know, I feel like so much more better, you know? Yeah. I don't know, I feel like I'm a little bit, I feel like I'm going through an era of like wanting to DJ unis. Oh. Because I've like, never done that, ever. You've not? Never DJ, I have zero, I've never DJ at a uni. You know, uni, like a uni rave? Never. Yeah. But even when you were never. at uni? I never DJed them really. I've only DJing for like, let's say five years, four years, something like this. Um, I haven't been DJing for long. Like the, shit, the stuff I shit, the shit I did in secondary school was all about just like, I, oh, I want to, I like this, like go to Argos, you know, it was that kind of vibe. Oh, and equipment from then to now is different because obviously you work from your laptop and you have a controller. There's like a lot more equipment where now I just have a USB or USB and a handbag ready to go. I didn't even like headphones. Like I, most of my sets I play, I play without headphones. Wow. Why is yeah. that? Distracting. Oh. I want to be out here, not down here. And when you have your headphones and you can get very closed off and playing for yourself, I want to be out here. Oh. I want to be here. Yeah. You want to be blending. I want to be blending with the crowd. Like, I'm like, I'm not like pedestal. I'm like, I'm where Jason, I'm just a little bit higher because this is a stage. But I've told you what my vision is, right? Like, you remember that JLo video, Get Right, where she takes that kid through the back and like, he, like she hides under the deck. Yes. That's what I want to do. I'm just going to like, I want you to take me in and I'm just going to hide and like, I'm just going to like sneak and shit. Well, there's no such thing as hiding. Like hiding is not an option, so. <laughs> Let's talk about ballroom and dancing. So you talk about the fact how you started dance at the early age of eight-ish, how Nadine taught you very style, how you used to do Indian dancing with the girls in the back. And oh, tea. Yeah, you talk about Movement Factory, Brockwood, found life in voguing at 14 and- Brockout. Brockout, sorry, Brockout. Mm. <clears throat> Brockwood, that's a different thing, child. You try a PC kind of show. <laughs> but- my question is, I often felt when I was working as a dancer until I made like the leap into like commercial and contemporary that often I would get specialized and boxed. I know you're very much like a staple, if not very vocal about your involvement in ballroom and voguing, but do you ever feel boxed as a specific genre and a medium of dancer, even though I know and I've seen you doing other styles? But do you ever feel that there's a brunt of that? And does that positively or negatively impact you? Uh, I mean, boxing is bad for everyone. It's not yeah. just bad for... I don't really... The thing is, I can't be boxed. And I think that's the boxing issue. You know, because I'm not just realm or dancing that realm. Like, I also never wanted to do commercial. I never wanted to do TV. I never, I never wanted to do these things. I have done them. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful for my experiences in them. 
but I, this has never been my ethos. I've always been a, a background bitch. I always like to stay in the background. I love to teach those to who want to do that. I rather that than myself trying to be yeah. some backing choreographer or dancer. Like it's just not my thing. I would if the opportunity arises, of course, I'd count and see if that makes sense. Like the pros and the cons, but. Yeah, usually like that was never my ethos. Even in secondary school when I taught dance, like I never, I didn't do it for myself. I did it for like others. So I think that's different. But yeah, people do, I don't think people do say, oh, you're just this. Like I'm always known as like JJ, yeah, he vogues. I don't mind that. Like, yeah, you're going to know I'm a voguer. Like, you know, people ask me what other styles of dance you do. And I start listening and they're like, oh, wow. And it's like, yeah, I've been dancing since I was like eight. Like after school dance, you know, learning the, learning them, Problematic South Asian dancers in primary school from the side because you know I'm a boy, so I can't learn it because the girls are learning. I went for a lot of that. So for me, like boxing is a problem for everyone. But people want to be boxed, and that's on them. I want to be known in the realm of dance. You know? Explain that. Why do people want to be boxed? And what makes you think that? Like, like people who want to do commercial dance, they want to do commercial dance, and that's what you would do. You yeah. wouldn't say, Oh, I'm gonna do commercial, but actually I should learn this and I should learn that. Not many people do that. When I went to contemporary dance school, the only concentration was contemporary dance. It was only Cunningham, Gaga, and no Graham. You guys didn't do Graham? No Graham, no Horton. No, no. You did that. You only did this. And Laban even then. What about Horton? You must have done Horton. No, I did Horton because I went to the same group I danced with when I was younger. Yeah. They ended up getting tickets to see Bella. Okay. But Yeah, Bella. I went to this workshop by the guy, some guy who was like a dancer in Lion King. And that's how I ended up going to Horton classes. Mm-hmm. No one told me about Horton. That mm-hmm. was, I found out of the sky. When I read the book, Black Dancing Bodies, I found out about Alvin Ailey. And that's when it happened that I ended up doing this dancer. But no, you don't have no, you don't, it was rolling on the floor. It was contact improv and it was, you know, and curving and ballet. I didn't do anything else. So people get bopped because you don't do anything else. You don't do any other style, not even once. I did circus when we did our exchange. Come on. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's, it's happened. I stayed there for two years, hated it. But yeah, I never wanted, I've always done a lot of dancing, like when it's called urban or whatever it's called now, but I did it when it was like street dance. I popped, yeah. I loved, I braked, waved, everything. Whacked, Vogue-esque, could do a dip, loved the jump and split. Dance hall, heavy in the club with my leg up and on my head top on the floor. I was in everything. I don't know this, I've only done ballet my whole life. I don't know this life. I did ballet when I was 16. Do you think there'll be a point ever where you will no longer move in a dance vocabulary sort of way I know ballroom will always exist in you and I feel like it's very much there but do you think there'll ever be a point where that will be yeah because I didn't say like uh as life goes on you get older I can't be dipping and diving like I be like I be doing I'd be dipping and diving like a crazy person but like no I don't I I didn't really see myself doing anything else to be honest, maybe maybe I do, but yeah, I need to be well well more equipped than I am now to be changing that. But right now, I'm just again, I'm on the train. I don't know when I'll be back again. I'm just riding the wave at this point. I don't know why. I see a future in the countryside. Maybe you know, just like saying. I could. Just saying, I don't know why. I could. Next question: What do you think is easier, being and attending and performing at a ball versus organizing it? Both have the same amount of stress. Okay. 
uh, organizing the ball. Like I can get my eyes closed now. That shit is long, you know. It's very long. You're talking about multiple people yeah. in the building at the same time and having a competition with breaks because you know people have to get toilets. And then like you're, it's loads of things. You book a, there's a lot of like loss because you book. Well, I always count everything as a loss, but there's a whole loss of like booking venues, booking people from different countries, or having people come from within uh, the same city and making sure those are like equal in terms of like not equal numbers, but like the panel is like the right numbers, it's the right people, it's like there's gonna be drama everywhere, and you know, boards based or shade, but there's gonna be drama. You have to think about like. Does all that does everybody you have to think does everybody in the broom scene in the entire world have a ticket that needs a ticket? That's the thought process. You're not thinking like localized. Times I've had people from like Paris turn up to a ball. Did not know you were here, child. So happy you're here, but can't come in right now. Stuff like this. So you have to wow. there's a lot of things, you know. There's a lot of things, you know, that's that is you have to think about the DJ coming on time, your panel coming on time, the mic coming on time, the mic, the sound, you know, because like the way venues perceive sound, especially sound tech, is not how boring perceives sound. You're talking in terms of the bass, isn't it? I think it is. It's oh. not even just the bass. Oh. It's just the it's the it's the vibe and the aura, like the how the mic sounds. You know. It, I think you described it when we were doing the sound tech. You were like, it it's meant to sound. I don't know if I'm saying it in the right analogy. Like it's all I just gathered was it's meant to sound kind of like gritty. Like it's meant to sound. Yeah, like like a private up. radio show. Yeah private radio show doing dubstep a little bit actually that's a bit tinny but yeah like it, there needs to be there's an energy and remember you got like then you're also thinking like everyone has a ticket do they have a ticket how many of those people need assistance is it is is the venue fully assist, uh assisted like able to be fully assistant to anyone's needs there's so many things you have to factor in you know now i'm even thinking about like when i do my next work i'm gonna have a ha- i'm going to have to have a bsl uh, interpreter you know that's the, that's where we're at <laughs> like you're gonna have to really think what you're gonna what you're doing. That's how I think when it comes to board. Everyone doesn't think like this, but I've been. Have I've you done, guys ever had BSL? I've done yeah twice. Oh. I think yeah 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 twice. One when, when I did a board with Dance Umbrella and Shoulder Town and Shoulder Town Hall, and two BSL interpreters there. I mean, there was one before this as well. But yeah, that's a thought process that you do have to think about now. You know, and someone someone who was deaf came. So the thing is, is like those are the things that you have to think about now. It's it's a lot. It's the same amount of stress. And then looking for your outfit to match the category, figuring out if you're going to get chops, not knowing if you're going to get chops until the time comes when you're out there on the floor. It's, it's the same amount of stress. No, you're like if you're going, say you go to a say you go to a dance competition and yeah. there's a theme around the look. You just make sure that your look is up to par. Yeah, there's a lot of stress in that because you never know if you've done too much or too little. You're always in limbo. The thing is in Borum, it's like expecting the unexpected always or having that expectation and sometimes that being part of so having that expectation and actually you breach all expectations of like that whole panel. It's very much of a, it's, it's, it's very like not for the weak hearted place. But like if I made a look, my look is not like this or that, I will fight. No, I'm not going to fight physically, but I'm going <laughs> to argue. If I believe in my look, I'm going to argue that my look is up to par and up to the category. And if it didn't say anything different, like I've chopped a girl because her hair was not in pigtails. It was the wrong color. Wow. No, someone tried to chop my house member because their hair wasn't in pigtails. And I chopped someone because their hair wasn't the right color. 
Was that revenge or was that just... No, no, no. This person wasn't affiliated at all. It was because it was the wrong color. Wow. Wow. Which is what was going to be my uh, next... And people, and people were saying, like, being like, ah, da, 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 da. No pineapple français. I don't care. <laughs> you know? oh it's the God. truth. Like, if, we're going, if we want to really... You cannot go by the books. You have to, if you're going to go by the books, you have to go by the books. And that's the thing. That's what's so stressful about balls because some people don't go by the books and some people can get away with not going by the books. But, like, it depends. There's a whole, like... It's love, I love it, to be honest. Love. You did. And it's actually when... When someone gets shot and you like go out to a panel, you're like, why did they get shot? You do that. I'm like, yes, fight for your shit. That's the whole point. Like, feel passionate about your shit. Not just, oh, thank you. Okay, next time. <laughs> and also, there's a difference between knowing that you, you did well and you did it. I think that's a level of honesty that not everybody has and which boring will teach you. you. You have to look back at your clip and go, I should got my 10. You can say that to the next day or to a week later or three days later when the clip comes out. You look back and you have to sometimes say to yourself, I'll take the L and put it in my pocket because I definitely didn't do my best. And the boring is a place where you learn, like, I did my best and I didn't, which is, like, real life, in my yeah. opinion. Like, I know when I do good and I know when I didn't do good. Or you know when you're off feet and you know when you're on beat. Delusion is not here. It's not important. Delusion will always get thrown in the bin. Where do you think the future of your industry is going? So, in regards to just sticking to boring, where do you think because you talk about Vogue and Ballroom coming in trends, and I feel like that happens in a lot of things. So where do you see the future of Ballroom going, like where it's heading as a culture on its own and as a, as a, a piece of puzzle in the big pie? And how do you fit into it? I don't even know where it's going. Obviously TV. Wow. Just wow. What? Don't know where it's going. I don't. I think obviously TV. Yeah. Next step, you know? TV and like theater and maybe trying to merge those worlds. Maybe that's, I mean, that's the sense I'm getting from my emails. The energy I'm getting from my emails is kind of like people are trying this merger, which for me cannot be done with everybody, you know? It's, it's a hard thing to do. I think it's a super hard thing to do. I'm even like, you know, routine, like going to New York and doing sundown again is scary because these people are from the scene the director is the new york rapper of house of love been but it's like that's scary and i have to be real about it that i'm like in my head to say that yeah even though i know what i'm going to do is going to be fire i know i'm going to be true to the culture and i don't think i'm going to make any mistake you know i think there is room for a mistake or learning but I don't think I have one. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think there's a mistake in what we've already produced, you know? But you never know. It's on a different... Level. Um, it's not even a different level. It's like, it's a different place. Got it. Context is not the same. Not the same language. Mm. You know, it's those things. But I don't really know. I think that's kind of the realm that I kind of see it in. Um, I definitely see it in TV after doing, like, Darks on Ice. I definitely feel like that's kind of happening, which I do rate because they did reach out to me and say, we wanted someone who was from the scene and we found you, even though they found me because of my Vogue article. So who knows if they would have found me without the Vogue article. But like, on a real, you know what I mean? I like, on a real. Yeah. It's like, you are, you know, I'm very grateful for the gig. I had a great time. Uh, 
Liberty and Joe were very respectful to the culture. Like, I didn't have an issue. Where do I see myself? I don't feel like I see. My, I don't see myself in like I don't see myself specifically doing anything again because that's just my life. If I end up saying like I'm gonna just do this, like I say, you know, I'm gonna shoot again and pick up my camera. I would love to shoot more like in balls or flying a wall. I would love to shoot more of like the portrait stuff I'm doing, but like mixing the ballroom. But yeah, for me, I've always said like ballroom for me is a blessing and a curse because like yeah, I'm all about community, but also I do work from it mm. still it is also my job it doesn't feel like a job well at times it just feels like a job but it has to be an adult and say big words but like yeah it's always like a blessing and a curse for me because i'm like i'm not this i'm not a person that can do anything else if that makes sense like i could but then no it will, i will always come back around you know i will always come back to this i will always come back to building spaces helping others like i will always come back yeah like i don't think i can do anything else like i think i've tried i think i like i said okay i'm gonna shoot um, and i'm doing a project which i am shooting still but it's like okay i'm shooting but then now my life is existing all around ballroom again you know i uh 2020 covid happened obviously i was still teaching classes close to the end of the year i'm starting to do a hell of ballroom stuff i'm going into this year the same situation so I don't know. I feel like I see, I see myself fitting in a way that keeps culture alive and also aligns with the right message or the right outcome, not just doing everything to do everything. That's why I see myself fitting in. In the places I'm supposed to fit in and the ops I'm supposed to get, I feel like that's for me to speak from the culture uh, authentically and not have to, I don't want to ever have to uh, not dummy myself. I don't want to have to ever hold back in what I want to say, or if I'm going to work with like an organization, a uni or something, and they ask me about ballroom or working with them around ballroom, I wouldn't be able to have those conversations and be very honest and not have to hold back anything. I don't know, I feel like I will forever be in limbo. I think maybe years down the line, I'll do some something that is more structured-esque and not 100 things at the same time. The countryside. Child, I feel like even from the countryside, I'll be working twice as hard. You say that, but what if you just... Yeah, because there's nothing but fields. Like, what would yeah. I be doing? Just get dogs and you just, like, get a phone. Do you, do you know when I travel and I go to a hotel? Yeah. They, or they put me in an Airbnb or something. Do you know how much work I get done? Mm-hmm. I get so much work done. And we've had this conversation, but I also wanted to just have it on record and kind of have you reflecting back on it because you talk about authenticity. And you said it to me when we were having a conversation as well, which you you were like, our stories don't need to be told in terms of referencing ballroom. And you were saying, and people have reached out to you in regards to shows. And was it that you can always smell shit when it's around or something along to the line of that? fakery oh, or I can always smell bullshit. yeah you can always smell always. Bullshit when they're promising you something and it's going to be something else so i want to ask yeah. a two-folded question which is one of course what made the young vic sundown kiki experience so different and two yeah. is when we talk about giving things due and giving things authenticity such as the ballroom culture and vogue in general or just let's talk about like freelancing even and progression not just for the sake of progression, but progression for the sake of a space for it to be there. How do you balance that with authenticity without being hypocritical when you're being so transparent? So such as 
and hopefully this is not a calling out, but this is just for me to get an understanding of like, let's say you doing the Young Vic show or you doing working with Yamaha or Nike or getting the Vogue cover. <laughs> for me, I always found it interesting when we were talking about ballroom and was it um, when we had the education with Ashley and Bashi came in as well, talking about why ballroom was created mm. because there were no spaces. So I'm in my head, I'm thinking, does that mean you become a sell out when those spaces offer you not offer you but kind of are like oh can mm. we feature you can you yeah how does that mm, there's a difference because yeah, I sat here and said about community I'm all about community and I did if I said I'm about community and I said like you know my whole work is about community and giving space to others and stuff like this so if, say in terms of that in terms of like work in these spaces like for me for me in all honesty there's worse people that would do the job for less at least when I'm doing it I'm in a space where I'm no one could ever say they paid me x amount or 50 quid to do something because I never want anyone who comes after me for any organization or brand or anything to say to me oh but JJ did it for 50 quid there's nothing wrong with doing shit for 50 quid but you're talking about a commodity warm is a commodity for most of these people you know I'm not a I'm not a person who's dancing every day of the year you know most to be honest (laughs) Most of the year, but not in terms of like performing on stages and stuff with voguing. That doesn't happen. We come up in certain seasons and certain breaths, and then there's no more breath there. You know, there's no more air. You know, so that only happens sometimes in the year. But for me, if I said I was all about community and giving space to others, and then not booking the girls to do stuff, there's a difference. The difference between me is that in these spaces, I'm booking up the girls to do stuff. I'm booking them as dancers. I'm booking them as teachers. I'm booking them to just sit. I'm booking them to, you know, and some people are just like, this is kind of the, it's kind of the realm that you're going to have to be able to move in. You can't just do all this shit cuts money. So you can't just do the, you can't do, I don't think you should do everything. I definitely think when certain things comes around, you should definitely ask for what your worth is. And for me, self-worth is more important than anything with anything. So in terms of like, you know, if I was like, for me, if, if that was the question came up, like about being so actually it has been questioned. I have been questioned before being like, do you make money from boring? But no, like I make money as a DJ, as a dance teacher, you know, as a choreographer, as a uh, creative director. Like these are the realms I'm making money and I'm not making money by dance. I'm telling you, I've made hardly any money from dancing. I mean, I've loved- like myself, like I keep <laughs> dancing. Yeah. Like as in doing a performance, rare for me to do. But it comes out of me being about culture and me standing for something. There's a difference with me than being just a dancer. I'm not just trying to do everything. I'm like standing for something. So when I make choices, I make conscious choices. And I've lost out on money. You know, I've lost out on hella coins for small for a small change. Because I feel like that's not doing my culture right. I'm not going to teach something with inauthentic soundtracks. I'm always going to give you the pussy pussy cunt. You're going to tell me you can't, we can't have the, if you tell me we can't have the pussy pussy cunt, that's fine. But if you tell me we can't do this because it sounds too that, to this, I'm going to say something really bad, but I think I'll offend a lot of people. But just know you can, okay? That's what you can do. That's for me, I've said no to shit because of that. Like, and I've said no to stuff because they tell me one thing and they do another. Think about what I believe. Like, I'm about community in 
everyone standing up, but we all have to be very much smarter with how we approach stuff. You know, we have to be self-worth first. And how does that look when others come behind you? I'm giving who's coming behind me with the same opportunity. You know, do I think I sometimes maybe people thought I'm inaccessible? Yes. But the ones who know I'm not are the ones that I'm, are supposed to be there. And the ones that feel like they don't know, they, they can get a foot in the door, even a creek, you know, they could be knocking to have a witness style and be just at the door. There's a difference, you know? I want those people to feel like that, that you can't, that my door is not always open, but I also want my community to feel like my door is always open regardless. So I feel like it's just about balance, you know? And it's also, if you can't do a job, what I always do is, if I can't do a job, I always try to hold it to give it to somebody else. So I always go like, you know, they might not want anybody else, but I always try to be like, I will do this, I will do that. I do extra work to make sure the money stays within the community to yeah. someone in the community. You know, that's kind of my ethos, you know. I'm mad, like, that's all I know. I don't know nothing else, you know. I And also, I'm very uncomfortable charging classes like, you have to because, you know, time costs money and shit like this. But, like, I even feel weird costing, costing like, balls at such high prices. Mm. You know, I always, but, but this will cost, cost me to eat corned beef and rice for, like, three weeks. You know, I need to get, just get my money back, you know. Yeah. But that's not how I think of it. I always carry the loss. But there's a lot of things that you do have to think about, you know. I want to do this gig. It's really good uh, uh, exposure. But can I pay rent? that's the merger that needs to make sense then how many gigs do i have this month and stuff like this yeah like i hope down the line i can i do and be very honest and open and transparent that you know people do learn and people do not just take everything because everything's not supposed to be done especially when it comes to culture if you know amazon prime because usually they're the ones that do crazy stuff like but say amazon prime bought the whole Bollywood like industry yeah. and started making it from their mouth it's like no like you have to stay in control oh the Bollywood industry wouldn't speak out don't you worry about that they're, yeah but they're, you they're... have to say but some people there's there's odd people out there odd oh yeah people odd people out there who are true to culture yeah if they're gonna do something they're gonna do it because it adds value to our community but also it adds currency because anyone that comes after me that gets any opportunity that's I like this knows that this is the price point or the funds that should be given to you to make stuff happen that's how i and also when people say to me about doing stuff for other brands and they're not being paid or i get mad because i've told everyone if you need advice or you need me to jump on emails i am here i've had these games i have spoken the lingo i have my like best friend always looking out for me with shit because i've also been grouped many times and agreed yeah. to stuff and it's not worked out how it's supposed to you have to stand up for yourself and if that's give me a chance of losing something. That's the price. I'll lose it. Yeah. <laughs> I think people just don't understand. And people don't believe that though because rent's due, this is due, money, yeah. la la la. And I get it. Like I do get it. Like I didn't get here like yesterday. Like I've been dancing my whole life, taught my whole life. From 14 up, I've been teaching dance even before this volunteering. Mm. So I'm not just here like by accident. I've worked years and I think that it does become true when they say for you to be on and gaining from your craft, you should be practicing for 10 years or some sort of, there's some sort of numeral situation there. Not the 24 hours in a day, because that's some bullshit. But the rest of it, like, yeah, you do have to continue to work at your craft. You do have to have different conversations. You do have to lose work. You do have to, I mean, that's what 
we have to understand and the more tv is happening in the u.s in whatever other country you can't just sit back and be like i'm not going to do it because then who's going to talk for us that's my thing you know everyone doesn't think like me but that's the that's just life <laughs> that's <what I> mean. <laughs> you know yeah that's just life but yeah i don't know why i see myself i think i see myself in this realm i feel like i'm going to be 40 or older still talking about culture not bitter old but i'm definitely going to be remember when in my day right i'm not going to be that but i definitely feel like and i have this in my heart because i never i honest to god it makes me sick to my stomach yeah when a bride asks you to do something which has happened to me offered you peanuts and then someone else has taken the peanuts and you decide not to take the peanuts so then it's an awkward conversation Mm-mm. that, oh, sorry, I wasn't getting peanuts because I fought for my peanuts. Passionate about it, if you couldn't tell. I can. Um, you didn't <laughs> answer my question, which was what made the Sundown Kiki Young Vic experience different to all of Because the, all of the shower. Shireen was real. Shireen was real. All the opportunities I've had was false. And actually, I was going to say no. And I've said this multiple times. Uh, yeah. I say no. And I say that, and then I lie. I, it was literally because of someone I used to know used to tell me, told me to talk to Shireen and I was like, I don't want to. Like, I don't want to do theatre. I don't want to. They were like, she's real. You should. And she had me at Bagel King and no one goes to Bagel King. No one. Unless you buy that life. No one goes to Bagel King. Not Wolf Road. Not at night. I love Bagel King. Not knowing it's 24 hours. Bagel King. You give him oh. I need a soldier. I never went to Bagel King. I went like you twice, have never... twice, twice or three times in my life. That was not my place of comfort ever. My place of comfort was a uh, chicken and chip shop after I mean, school. A nice Morley's. Uh, Morley's, Dixie's, PFC, CFC, HFC, Beach. There was there was many FCs. Dallas chicken. Dallas is kind of trash. Oh, uh, what were you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Ten- Tennessee was kind of kicking. Tennessee was cute, yeah. That's a lot, you know. But um, yeah. I think just what made it different is that me, like me and the people who were on the project, me, Bam Bam, you, fucking uh, Frey, Tristan. And I think it also was my my foot strongly on the ground. I didn't, I've never done fit before, but I didn't drift from my ideas. I didn't drift from anything. I asked for people's feedback. I disagreed. You did disagree. You know? You, did. you know what I mean? Like, I really fought for my shit. Like, yeah. And I think what made it different is that the fact is that I had a vision. The difference is, is most people who come in as, like, creative direction probably feel like they need to give the reins to those people who are doing the job. Yeah. I don't think like that. I think everything is collaborative. Everything. I think me listening to you about something that you might not even know, like the choreography position, or yeah. something like this. If you knew nothing about dance, but you said, oh, it looked like this, I would listen. I agree, I did agree, but I felt like it was the space for me to be open, be very transparent. I really said off as, if it even came off as difficult, I don't mind it. <laughs> I don't mind being that. I'm trying to do something correct. I think there was like, yeah, there was patience in places, there was understanding in places. There was a lot of help. There was a uh, see my idea. It was the... Uh, it was the people who were like, no idea is too big because that's the culture. It's the a bam bam. It's me living in another country while that was going on. It was a Zoom meeting. It was mm. the continuous conversations, which I found irritating because I did. And now I'm like, why are there not more conversations? Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
like we're meeting like a, we're gonna be closer and closer to the time that we go but like when I tell you I was in every Monday meeting and people be like where is JJ and I did not know how important my voice was at all I think I gripped it like after that one day where yeah I had a disagreement that's when I was just like this is my in my head since I was a teen like <laughs> this is my fucking show like that's how I felt you know I have a fucking vision, but people don't really come with visions. People always just let people get on. I, I'm not that person. My fingers are in every pie. Bitch, if I knew there was going to be food at the end or drinks, I would have been, my fingers would have been in that as well. I mean, there were. <laughs> there was patties. And I was DJing. <laughs> but my only job, my only job was DJing. And actually, what was so crazy is that my brain a lot to just like do whatever it wanted in terms of thinking around the project was that Lorna took on everything. Mm. Everything to do with anyone... She found anybody to fight, do the notes and stuff like this. And she would be like, JJ, you don't need a book. Like, you don't need a pen. Like, we're going to, we're typing the notes. Like, we'll email it. <laughs> you know? And then actually reading them and be like, what do I, I can think about the next thing. It was a lot of things. But I definitely think it was me putting my foot down. And yeah. me actually listening and being very open. I wasn't closed. I didn't say, no one don't know anything about boring. So no one make a sound, you know? It was very much like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Even the uh, past, he had a say in my opinion. He's shady, I'm going to clip that from the beginning. I'm going to clip it from the head. But if anyone's trying to be shady, but other than that, like if you've got real advice about changes or something not sounding right, this, that, I'm open. Only way of learning. I think that's what it was. It was a, and also, it was a big learning curve for me. And I feel like I didn't shy away from the, from the assignment, which I felt like I was going to because I don't know anything about theatre. I actually hate it. Well, I hated it. Don't hate it anymore. I did. Uh, I didn't like. like I didn't like. I never, never went to theatre. Never thought shows were interesting. Went to one or two. Obviously, like you do with wow. friends or something. Like the best show I, I feel like I saw other than Sunday Kiki is the Curious Dog in the Nighttime. The live theatre show was amazing. When are you coming to London again? Uh, I actually don't know. You're giving me an evening. I'm taking you. We're gonna go see. We're gonna go see theatre. Actually, you're giving me yeah, a. Day. You're giving me a day. I'm taking you to see two theatre shows. Okay. I was Tina. That was amazing. Yeah. That was because my friend's cousin was in it. That's the reason why I watched it. This is, this... There's a, like, I don't just go to theatre. Like, it's never been my thing. I think because I always look for error. Oh, you look for error, but you also, like, it's like anything else. No, like... It's hard for me to... I can't even... I, saw, I even saw Beyonce three times in one year, and I found error in all three. Well, I mean... I did as well, but I got booed. So I was going to get beaten up at a Beyonce concert. Did you know that? No. Let's move on quickly. We are going over time. So we... Why have we never passed? Because like, I also really had a fight with somebody at a Beyonce concert. <laughs> but the security pushed them, uh, pulled them away because it was literally them that was starting some shit. Oh, okay. I mean, I started. Oh, you were the one that, you were starting the shit. I knew it. <laughs> I don't know why you thought you were going to survive in a high. Like, who says, oh yeah, this is time for me. Because I want to, I'm sorry, just like you stand up, I want to stand up. A procrastinist, a procrastinator, a procrastinator, a procrastinator, procrastinator. No, that's how I like delays. Yeah. Yeah. Protagonist. That's the word. Protagonist. I don't think I'm the protagonist. I stand up for something. You would be a protagonist. No, I stand up for things that I believe in. And if that makes me, I'm passionate about things. But anyway, we digress. I'm not going to bring up the whole like um, situation in regards to the boring depiction on film and television because you've spoken yeah. a lot about that. But what I was interested in when you were talking in regards to the drag experience, 
in ballroom and outside of ballroom and i wanted to know your viewpoints on the machine that is has propelled drag into this box of drag race and that has produced these these queens and a certain amount of license for people to think that that is what the drag experience is and mm. i don't know if you feel like this whenever shows depict a specific culture and regardless of its authenticity or its intention that becomes the narrative right so if you look at everybody wants to say paris is burning or like everybody wants to say pose or legendary and all of these things but the, those things mm. become the narrative so my question is how does one break away from that what is your viewpoint on not dismantling that but handling the perception of that when you work and function within that culture i just personally think that you have to have a personal opinion and have that personal opinion and stick with your opinion like i think what happens is is that you see something on the screen and you go that is what it's supposed to look like but the moment that you even when you do a little like kombucha face where you're like mm, i'm not too sure that's what it's supposed Sorry, to look like what face kombucha you know when the woman tries kombucha she goes no like of that um when you get a little kombucha face like that's the have you ever had kombucha i have i don't like it personally but yeah. exactly but when you tried it you were like what did your face do i was just like right that's the kombucha face like okay. sometimes you do look at the tv left and go actually was that a problematic thing that was said but people just step over it because i don't know they do is what it is people going to be people but i think you have to just have your own opinion about shit and stick with your own opinion you know yeah yesterday i was talking to someone and they were saying to me i was talking about paying judges because i don't believe in paying judges because it's like an honor to be asked to judge a ball so for me paying them is like i understand if you need to recoup the money you're missing which is that is for me a donation in some sense or like uh something like this but to pay you to Attend. do this is like yeah it's not my I pay for your flight, pay for your accommodation, but it's not my ethos. Like, I really don't like it when people say to me, like, I want to pay you to do that. Even if they do and there's a budget there and that's what they want to do, I will accept it. But it does make me a, a bit uncomfortable with stuff like that because that's not what I'm here for. Like, I'm here to help my community. And I kept getting told, like, oh, you know, some people don't agree with what you said. And I had to keep saying, like, I don't care if people don't agree. Like, I don't care if you don't agree with me. You yeah. might not agree with I, You might not agree. I don't care. Like, don't agree. Like, good on them, you know. But I don't believe that because I think it, it just disrupts, like, it disrupts, like, you know, again, with the whole person coming from behind you, someone from your community is actually to judge. The thing is, is not what is the fee. The thing is, like, what is the date? What can you help with? What can't you help with? If you can't help with flights, let me know. Can I do it? If I can't do it, I'll tell you. Just about being very honest. Yeah. Whereas this I think of like worrying about if I have enough money to pay somebody to charge, it doesn't make sense. I would rather put that money into food for them, a better hotel, a something like a better experience. You know what I mean? I can't go to the grave with money. Why not just give everyone experiences also? Side note. Yeah, I think it's just about having your own opinion. Like drag race is gonna be drag race. Do I like drag race? No. Not really. I think the whole depiction of ballroom within drag race is awful. <laughs> you know, the language that continuously gets used. Like people might not agree with me. That's okay. Can I? Do I still watch? Do I still watch Drag Race? Sometimes, yeah. Because Hangover Days. Sometimes you need a bit of Drag Race. I'm not gonna say I'm never gonna watch. I'm gonna boycott the Drag Race. No. But do I think the language that they use in the show is incorrect at times? Yes. Do we have judges on panels that will tell the truth? Not yet. Do we maybe in Paris because now Kitty, who's from the ballroom scene, is on a panel 
in France for France Drag Race, then maybe he will uh, collect the girls if they are misrepresenting the culture. People use ballroom as a, again, as a commodity. Drag Race uses it as a commodity. Don't look at Paris is Burning and Pose and then, and because those are two things that were made, well, Paris is Burning region wasn't made out of commodity, but that was yeah. two original things that have been made out of that has like a lot of like wealth behind it for enriching the culture and financially. But also it's kind of a bit of double-edged sword because it's like, if that's not on screen and educating people who don't know about the culture, you know, we will only have Drag Race and that's not okay, you know? Because if you look at the Queen versus Drag Race is different. The Queen, which is about drag queens and how Ballroom kind of came into, came out of that culture because it did. It dates back years. This image of drag is also incorrect because drag queens are not just high feminine. Like, yes, the, the history is female impersonator, but unfortunately times have changed. So we're moving with the times, you know? Drag is, has to be, it's, it's different, you know? People used to say, without doing drag, people used to say, if you actually sang, you're not a drag queen because drag queens lip sync. You know, all these little tiny loopholes that are not important. Yeah. You know? So I think just drag races has to just, it's just fucking, it just needs to change its fucking ethos. You know? Yes. It needs to be true to the culture. It doesn't need all of this boring quotes and the ball. Yeah, it doesn't need the fluff and the clouds and the cotton candy. Like, we don't need that. That's why I say we don't need TV. We don't need people telling our story. Because every time a good show comes out like Pose, how come, Posters come out and they're using all the right language and you still on Drag Race are not using the right language. Why are people still saying Death Drop in 2022? That's a great question you ask. You know, that's my thing. We can educate people to wash their hands, but we can't educate them on born culture. It's not hard. Holland got it right. And the thing is, it's like, it's in the US. How many people are from the scene in the US? Why is it always the same dead choreographer or some, someone like Todrick Hall, who's got a great depiction of like black gay men at this point? Oh, I don't want to speak on this. Please watch Seb's uh, interview with JJ where they talk about Black queer representation and get into it. I won't get in trouble. I won't use no, it. No, it's just... No, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, it's just like, you know, you know the history of not paying his dances. Like, that, all that yeah. shit came out. It's true. Like, with kids. I don't care about... Like, I do care about the whole, like, sexual situation if he's, like, PA, but that was very messy and the guy has OnlyFans and it was just a very, like... <laughs> Confusing time because at one minute I kept looking at it being like, where's the new tea? And then looking at it being like, can't open this on the train. So that's a whole different thing. Like, that's nothing to do with me. But (laughs) the whole thing of the kids coming out saying like, and parents coming out saying that like the kids were never paid or there were 16 hour shoots without food and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, like, come on, like, it is one, like, he can do any other episode, (laughs) episode but this one in that in terms of drag race, especially the beginning season. With Vaughn Law, who passed uh, a year ago yesterday, who actually produced RuPaul's album. I think he even produced, Are You a Woman? You don't look like a woman, but you feel like a woman. He produced hella tracks for RuPaul. Hella tracks from the scene. Still uneducation. Uneducatedness. It's dumb to me. So for me, I don't know. Like, you just have to have your own opinion. And if there's questions, listen to the answer. Don't fight it because RuPaul is the person who's telling you uh, the sky is... Blue. Orange. Yeah. Actually, sometimes it is orange and it's really cute. So let's say... Green. Sometimes it is green. It's also quite nice over here. Brown? It's uh, brown. Well, it's just, actually, I hate brown. So I don't hate brown, but... I was going to say, what are you trying to say? Sky being... I can twist that. I can twist that in the edit. You can go, go off and twist. I'm not... <laughs>
your twister. You like that's it. Anyway, that's now. it, guys. You heard it here. JJ hates brown. Who, who does that? Who he likes, also likes the brown sky? Well, everyone, that brings us to an end. And I hope you enjoyed part one of part two of my conversation with Monsoir, Madame, Mademoiselle, whatever, whatever, with Jeje Revlon. I'm going to be popping up the part two really soon, so keep an eye out for that. But all of the information about the guest, myself, and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment, and subscribe. Show us all some love. Because isn't that what we want at the end of the day? Some love. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here. Thank you again. And as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. I must go. Which means now I must go. I own that. That is copyrighted. And I will sue. (laughs) Joking. Have a great one and stay curious till next time.